For those of you I haven't got a chance to meet yet, my name is Cody Wason, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Antioch. And if you are new, if you're checking us out, if this is one of your first couple times, I just want to say thank you. Uh, don't take it for granted that you would spend a, a couple hours on your Sunday evening hanging out with us. I think it's a big deal when people come and check out a new church. It can be scary. I haven't had to check out a brand new church in a decade, and, but I remember what it's like. And so I just want to say thank you. My hope and prayer is that here at Antioch, wherever you are in your journey, wherever you are coming in from, that you feel this is a safe place, that you feel loved, that you feel encouraged, and that somehow, some way, you love Jesus more because you were here. Well, I am excited to jump into part two of our Brick by Brick series. Uh, if you were here with us last week, we talked about uh, the foundation for this whole series, uh, and we have actually a mission statement for it. And here's what I'm going to do. It's going to be up on the screen. I'm going to invite you to actually say this with me in just a second. This realigns and reminds us of what we're going after here over the next 30 or so minutes, okay? So say it with me. We are focusing. Is it on the screen? Okay, no one said anything, so that was a rebuke. Okay, focusing on values and disciplines that each of us can build into our lives, brick by brick, that build personal, community, and city revival. Amen. Amen. So last week we talked about revival. We talked about that revival isn't a, a, an event that happens, but it is the, the reality that we can be revived by the person and the presence of Jesus. That you and I, whether you've been going to church your whole life or this is your first time, you and I can fall in love with Jesus. That we can actually have a relationship with Jesus that changes how we live. It will change how we think and it will change our priorities. It will affect every part of our life and not just a couple hours on Sundays. That's what we're after here. A love affair with Jesus that changes everything. Last week we focused on the foundational value of any relationship is relationship. And, and to build relationship, you've got to start by spending time. And so I hope you guys enjoyed spending time with Jesus together as a church. I hope this past week you were encouraged in your own personal times with Jesus. Um, I know I was, and it's the foundation for everything. I'll say it again. If we miss relationship with Jesus, then we miss everything. If we try to start right here tonight and we miss last week, we miss everything. It's about relationship. Now, I want to just pause and say before I jump into this next value is I think we have to take an honest assessment of our relationship. How is our relationship with God? Do we even have one? If we do, does it matter that much to us? Is it changing us? Are we falling more in love with Jesus or more in love with rules? Are we growing in our understanding of who God is, what He's like, what His voice sounds like, what it's like to be loved by Him and led by Him? We have to pause and just actually kind of self-evaluate our current spiritual condition. Before we start pursuing more relationship, we got to stop and say, well, do I even have one? And does it matter to me? And we have to be honest with ourselves. You can be honest with yourself before God. What's your relationship with Him like? Do you know Him? Here's what I don't want to see happen. I don't want to go from on from last week 
I don't want you or us trying to, to build relationship with this Jesus that I'm really good at describing on a stage sometimes. You've got to know him. Like, you have to know him for yourself. You know, if someone was to ask me about my wife, Kate, and just say, hey, what's, what's Kate like? I could talk your ear off. I could talk about how weird she is. I could talk about all her quirks. I could talk about how her, one of her favorite things in life is assuming no one gets hurt watching people fall down. I remember days about when we first got married and she was diagnosed with clinical depression. She couldn't get out of bed. And I remember a lot of nights I would come in with the computer and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to love her well in that season. I was just trying to, and so I would just ask God, God, what does Kate need right now? I don't know. And, and oftentimes I would, I, would, I would sit on the bed next to her. I'd hit play on YouTube and we'd just watch people fall down. I could tell you about how Kate is the best active listener on the planet to a weird degree. Like, uh, if you don't know what active listening is, I don't, I don't think I'll be able to describe it, but she's really good at it. And, uh, and it's always challenged me in our relationship. I could tell you how, if she could, she would spend every last dime that we own going to Target and buying little knick-knack gifts for her friends. Not for an event, not for a birthday. Her, her love language uh, is, is somewhere in between gift-giving and Target. She loves hosting events and people in our home with a passion. She hates losing with a deeper passion. And I can tell you, after, being, after living life with Kate for the last 10 years, she's more competitive than, I, than, than probably anyone in this room. You'd never know it, but she wants to beat you at everything. <laughs> now, I know Kate. I've spent the last 10 years of my life with her. I've spent time with her. I've studied her. When I get up here on this stage and, and tell you about her, yeah, I can list Birthday facts, I, I'm not going to because I don't think you need to. Uh, actually, yeah, hey, put it in your phone. If you want to get Kate a gift on her, on her birthday, it's June 23rd. All right, everybody get like, gifts, bless her. <laughs> Go to Target, she'll know where you got it from. She'll love it. But I, I could list facts. I, I, I spent time with her. I've studied her. I am a lifelong student. When I said I am on that stage eight years ago, I, I became a lifelong student of Kate, committed to learning what she's like, what she's about, what she's dreaming about, what she's loving in this season, what she's not loving, what she's caring about, what she's hurt by, what she's processing through. I'm a lifelong learner of Kate. I don't get up here and say, well, I've been married to her for eight years and I can give you a pretty good idea. I can guess pretty well what Kate's like. If I had to guess, I'd say she likes chips and queso. And I'm not, don't quote me, I might not, I, but I, I think she loves her kids. And I think she's, if I got up here and I started talking about my wife like that, y'all would, I don't know what you would do, but it wouldn't be good. I'm not guessing 
about who my wife is because I know her. That level of intimacy, that level of understanding, that level of pursuit, that level of relationship is the level, the, the kind of relationship that when we talked about Nehemiah a couple weeks ago, it talks about it's a relationship worth fighting for. I'm not just in proximity to my wife. I'm not just the closest human in her world orbit. I know her, and I pursue knowing her, and I love her, and I have an intimacy with her. It's crazy to think I know Caitlin Joe Wason better than any other person on the planet. And that will forever get to be my honor. And now it feels silly for me to get up here and talk about a relationship with Jesus that doesn't have that same level of intimacy, that doesn't have that same level of knowing. Have you ever felt like, ask yourself the question, can I really know who Jesus is? Can I know God? Can I actually be led by him? Can I actually hear his voice? Can I actually, like, know that I know that I know that I know that I know I know God? And I know a little bit of his character, and I'm a student of his and I, and I know what he sounds like. And when people try to, try to talk on his behalf and it doesn't sound like him, I know it. You see, we've been given tools on this journey of knowing God. And I want to say the primary way to know God, the best way, the primary way to know who God is, to know what he thinks of you, to know what he says about you, to know his plan for your life, to know his will for your life, to know how he would have you live is the word of God. And I just saw heads all across the room go down. You were hoping for something different. The best way to know who God is is not my preaching. It's not a podcast. It's not a really smart friend. It's not even a worship song. All of those things can be helpful. They can encourage. They can remind. They can inspire. They can challenge. But the way to know God is through his word. That's what I want to talk about tonight, being people of the word. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking, but I don't like reading. But, but the, it's confusing at times. And I've never read a book this big. And I don't really like reading. The best way to know God is through his word. That's the most loving way I can tell a room full of people, I love you. I don't care that you don't like reading. It's not a valid excuse. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I don't love reading. I know a lot of like leaders in the world, they're like 52 books a year, like one a week, they just crank them out, not me. I don't love, I don't love reading. But it's not an excuse not to love the Word of God and not to be committed to it because it's the way we know who God is. So I want to talk about the Word of God and four things that it does on our uh, journey to know God intimately, to have revival, to have this love affair with Jesus. Y'all with me? Four things the Bible does. If you're taking notes, here it is. Number one, and it's going to sound so simple. The Word of God tells us who, who God is. 
The Word of God tells us who God is. Now, why is this so important? Because you and I have this thing in common where we would love nothing more than to make God in our own image. We want to make God, we want God to be like us. Here's what I mean by this. There's a, there, there, when we're not anchored in the Word, when we're not people of the Word, we can do things like this. We can sing songs like, it's for freedom that I've been set free. Or we can read all of these passages about how God is love. And when we're not anchored in Scripture, we take that truth of who God is. God is love. God loves me. God's loving. God's love. There, he is the essence of love. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And we're not anchored in the Word. And so we're over here, and we're just like, He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And what does... What would I be like? What, how would I be God? If I was God, how would I love me? I would, I would love me so much that I would never say no. I would love me. Like, there's no way that a loving God could ever like, not want me to live out what I feel. Like there's never, there's no way. Like God is love. He loves me. He's just, he can't not love me. So of course, everything I am and everything I feel and everything I want, everything I desire, he loves it and he loves me. And when we're not anchored in truth, we're, we float over here in this like weird place of like, uh, everything's okay because God's love. And when people try to call us on it, we're like, hey, it's scripture, God's love. But when we're not anchored in it, when, we're not anchor, when we don't know who God is, when we don't see him rightly, when we don't see the gospel rightly, things get really weird. Matt Chandler puts it this way. I know people have different feelings on Matt Chandler, but he puts it this way. In our attempt to make a softer, cuddlier God, we instead create for ourselves one who is unable to sustain us, unable to provide for us, unable to lead us, we end up with no God at all. Praise God that God is not like you. Praise God that he doesn't think like you. And can I say, praise God that he's not okay with everything that you're okay with. Now this might be a new revelation for me within the last four or five years once I became a dad. But if we can be logical about our earthly parenting, I mean, this is in scripture. If I can be logical about the fact that I tell my kids no every day of their life because I know what's good for them, because I know what's going to protect them, because they can't see the whole picture, because they can't even see past my knee, because they don't know what's going on in the car. They don't understand what's, because they don't know, I tell them no every day. Not out of a weird, sick sense of authority, but because I love them. And I want what's best for them. And I don't want them to die. There's a lot of about-to-be parents in the room. Parenting at the early stages is about saying no so they don't die. That's it. Now, at the very early stage... But we're like, you guys are laughing. You're like, oh, even the people that don't have kids are like, oh, that's so true, I think. Or yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds logical. And then it comes to our relationship with God, and we're like, he would never tell me no. Of course he's okay with me doing this, that. Of course he would be fine with me. It doesn't matter. He loves me. And it makes no sense. 
Praise God that he's not like you and he's not like me. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. And if we're going to know him, if we're going to have like this revival personal relationship with him, I don't know about you, but I want to like, make sure I'm in relationship with him and not the him I want him to be. Because the him that I want him to be, that my flesh, that the God I would design in my own mind, doesn't lead me to Jesus. It doesn't lead me to the cross. It doesn't lead me to repentance. Praise God that the word of God tells us who God is. All right. Y'all having fun? Me too. Okay. Point two. It tells us who we are. The first thing the scripture does is it tells us who God is because this is a story of, about God. This book is about him. It's about how big he is. It's about how holy he is. It's about how the fact that I'm up here talking and thinking and breathing and walking and holding and laughing is because he created me. Everything I see and touch, it's about him. But we have this weird thing in common, you and I. <laughs> when we open up scripture, we tend to do this thing that I'm going to call, we, we read the word of God. That's weird. That's, that's logical, right? So we open up the word and we're like, we're going to read it. And this is what I mean by we're going to read it. We sit here. We open it up. Some of us can fully understand and relate to the early morning, like, I trust God. This is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Praise God in his wisdom. He led me to Psalm 80. But we read it, and we, we, we put this lens on, and we want, we want to know if Scripture lines up with how we're feeling. And we want Scripture to confirm what we already think. And we want Scripture to tell us, yeah, you're right. Keep going. We read scripture. We put scripture on trial. And we sit here and we go, oh, wow, Psalm 23. That's good. I'm going to Instagram that. Like, people need to know Psalm 23. And then we turn to, like, the next page and it sticks and you're at Psalm 78 and you're like, that's weird. Nah. That, this doesn't even make sense. Nah, let's go back to Psalm 23. Let's Instagram that one more time. And we start reading scripture with this, like, do I like it? Does it make me feel good? Does it align with what I'm feeling right now? Here's what we need to do. We need to let the word of God read us. We need to let the word of God tell us who we are. We need to let the word of God tell us when we're not okay. It's the most humbling nerve-wracking, submitted, and ultimately freeing thing you and I could ever do is to read the Word of God and instead of saying, God, I'm going to decide if I like this. And if I like it, I'll apply it. And if I don't, then you're outdated. And instead, I'm going to say, it doesn't matter if I like it or not. Actually, I probably need to, when I don't like it, I probably need it more. And I'm going to let you tell me if I'm okay when I, when I open up Scripture and I let it read me, it humbles me and leads me to a, the cross. It reminds me how much I need Jesus. Can I just say, your flesh does not want you to be reminded of how much you need Jesus. 
You need the Word of God to read you and to tell you where you need Jesus. Because there's this other thing. Humanity deals with insecurity. Let's just get that off the plate right now. The most attractive people in the world are insecure, the most successful, the most, the most wealthy, the most funny, the, whatever you want to say. We all are insecure. Okay, so now that we're on that even playing field, here's something else we all do. We all think we're a little better than we are. We're insecure to a, to, to a mess, and we also think we're a little bit. But here's how we think we're a little better than we are, especially in the Christian world. Our righteousness, our right standing before God that is only because of the cross. I start to look around my left and right and say, well, I'm doing pretty well because I'm not as bad as him. And, well, that marriage, our marriage is doing better than that one, so we're doing pretty good. And we start to think, well, my righteousness is kind of based on everyone else's lack of it. So everyone else is messing up. I must be doing pretty well. And I can go to Scripture, and I can, I can sit down, and I go, God, I'm doing pretty good. Like, I, I love my wife. I don't hurt my children. I'm not addicted to pornography. I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not, I'm doing pretty good. And I'm pretty disciplined. I'm not the most disciplined guy in the world, but I'm probably disciplined in and I can start thinking of people, oh, I'm probably more disciplined than him. And I'm definitely like, I worship more than that person. I put my hands up. I mean, that puts me above everyone that doesn't, right? So I must be doing really well. And when I, read, when I let Scripture read me, I'm humbled back to the cross. I'm reminded just how broken I am. I'm reminded of how much I need Jesus. I'm reminded of it does not matter what everyone else is doing with their life, matter what, my, what the exterior looks like. My heart needs Jesus. My heart needs consistent relationship with Jesus or else I'm liable to do anything under the sun. Scripture tells us who God is and it tells us who we are. You still with me? I know I've said some things that people aren't a fan of, but I really think this word it is so needed in our church, and I think just in the church in today's world. And I'll talk maybe a little bit more about that later. It tells us who God is. It tells us who I am. It reminds me that this isn't about me. My life isn't about me self-actualizing into a more spiritual person. It's not about me becoming wiser. It's not about me uh, uh, becoming more theologically astute. It's not about me having some secret things that no one else has. This life is about me having the opportunity to live in awe of who God is and to be humbled before the cross, to know Jesus and be known by him, to live like him and for him because of who he is, to, to, to see God rightly for his righteousness, for his holiness, for his bigness, and to be reminded that there's nothing I could ever achieve in life that will ever amount to much in eternity. I could become the best preacher that ever lived. It wouldn't really matter much for me, between me and God. I could be the best businessman on the planet. I could be the best friend. I could be the most... Uh, the, at the end of the day, this is about me knowing God and being known by Him. It's about me worshiping Him rightly. 
See, when we're anchored in Scripture and we see God for who He really is, when we see Him rightly, when we see ourselves rightly, then we can worship rightly. I've skipped a bunch of slides, by the way, like a bunch. So go with me to Nehemiah 8, verse 2. So we're, the series is kind of based on God speaking through Nehemiah. So let me recap. Actually, if it's on the screen, go ahead and take it off for a second. Let me recap where we've been in Nehemiah. Uh, it's the story of Nehemiah, who was uh, um, the wine tester for the king in Persia, about 900 miles from his hometown of Jerusalem. He finds out that the walls of Jerusalem have deteriorated. The city is vulnerable. It is embarrassing, and it is, it is nerve-wracking for his friends and family. He heads back to Jerusalem. He has a brave heart moment where he re- rallies the city of Jerusalem to rebuild the wall together, to fight for their families, to fight for each other. It's amazing. And they rebuild the wall. Now, that's kind of where I've left it hanging for a while. Uh, so let's pick it up a couple chapters later. Here's Nehemiah now. They've basically rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. They've rebuilt the walls, the structure, and now him, along with a, a guy you might have heard of before named Ezra, uh, are rebuilding the culture of the city. So Nehemiah is the governor now. He's kind of leading this thing, and Ezra's the chief or the high priest. So he's, Ezra kind of has this position of he's in charge of the spiritual culture of the city, and Nehemiah is kind of uh, uh, regarded as he's in charge of the governance of the city, and them two are working together to kind of lead Jerusalem forward in this new uh, order, or this new world. And so here we go, Nehemiah 8, verse 2 and 3. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. Now listen to this. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. I went 15 minutes over last week and I repented to like 35 people. This dude just stood up and read the word of God from daybreak until noon. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand, all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. This is the Old Testament here. We don't have, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is the law of Moses that he's standing up and reading, saying, this is how you should live, because God is God and you're not. This is how he's ordered things. This is what you should be saying yes to and no to. This is how you should live in And this is what he's getting up and reading. Now we're going to skip down to verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. Verse 4, basically they pause and talk about how they built this platform for Ezra so he could be seen. So there you go. So now he can be seen by everyone. He's standing above them. And as he opens it, the people all stand up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, amen, or let it be, let it be. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord, their faces to the ground. So here's what happened. A dude stood up and read the Old Testament for four hours, and everyone started worshiping. And everyone started falling on their face, worshiping God for who he is. Because when we are anchored in the word, when we live as people of the word, we know God for who he is. The response is that we worship him because we see him for who he is. All right. I thought you might not catch it, so now I got to go a different route. I love y'all. <laughs> Hope you all know that. Love you so much. Believe in you. 
But I think there's something to be said about a culture of worship that can be established when people are less concerned about peripheral things and are more obsessed with worshiping God just because he's God. And when we see God for who he is, we see the gospel clearly. We see ourselves, no matter how good we did yesterday, no no matter how long it's been since we did a really bad sin, we see ourselves rightly in the lens of the gospel, and we see God for who he is, and we just worship because we don't know what else to do. Because we're broken and we're contrite and we're like, wait, I don't have nothing to offer. I don't have anything to offer my family outside of the, the goodness of God and the grace he gives me. I don't have nothing to offer you, God. I have nothing in life outside of God. God is God and I'm not and he's big and he's holy and his ways are right. And I have questions and I will go to my grave with questions and then I'll get to meet him and I'll ask him and he'll answer them. Hopefully, we'll see. But God, like when we enter in, Whether it's when you wake up in the morning or when you show up at church or you show up at life group, can I just say, worship comes a little easier when we're less concerned about the volume of the music or the words of the song even. And we're just like, God is God. And I'm here to worship him. Because if I won't, he'll make rocks do it. His word says that if you and I won't sing because just because of who he is, He'll make the earth do it because he deserves it because he made it. When you and I see God for who he is and see ourselves for who we are, we can worship him rightly. All right. I think that was number three. The word of God allows us to know who God is, allows us to know who we are, allows us to worship rightly. And the fourth thing that the Word of God does is it lets us be led. It lets us hear God. I know in this room, whether you're, don't even, you're here and you don't even, you're just checking this Jesus guy out, you don't believe in him, or, or you've been following Jesus your whole life, there are so many questions in this room. What should I do with my life? What would... Should I take that job? Should I move over there? Should I date her? Should I marry him? Should I, should, what, should I t- what, what do I do? Lead me. Please, just lead me. And here's what I often f- time, uh, experience. That we, we put the word of God down and we, we kind of come over here and we go, I just wish I could be led. I just wish I knew what I was supposed to do with my life. I just wish I knew. I hear all these other people singing and talking and preaching and, and talking about how much they love. And he, he, he leads, like Jesus somehow leads their every day. And, 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 he, and he speaks and, and people hear his voice. And I, I just don't get it. And I don't think I can hear the voice of God. I don't even know if I believe in it. That sounds weird to me. I but even if I did, I don't think I can. I just love that Nolan carries batteries in his pocket. <laughs> Get a friend that carries batteries. All right. 
If you can read, you can hear God. If you can read, you can hear God. It's right here. And I know in our culture, and I know in 2020, and I know I, I fully believe in hearing the voice of God and responding and obeying. But this is the primary right here. When I have questions about what I should do or should I didn't do, about how I should respond to a situation, I'm praying through things. This is what I'm, this is, I'm saying, God, speak to me through your word. Give me ears to hear. I want to listen. This is the leadership and the headship of God in your life. And yeah, we're all on a journey on hearing God and the Spirit speaking in a still small voice and us responding. And we're all on a journey of responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And I fully believe He speaks. But if you're in the room and you're like, I just don't hear Him. Well, you, can, you have this. This is an invitation to know Him. To know His character. To be led by Him. To seek out the wisdom Here's what I don't want to be. I don't want to be a church of people that say, well, you know, I prayed and I didn't hear anything, so I'm just going to go with my gut. Or I, I prayed and, and no, the, the, the heavens didn't open, no angel descended. I heard no audible voice. So I guess I'll, I'm just left to my own devices here. I'll figure it out. Or even at worst, and this is, gonna, this is, for, this is for somebody, I don't know who. We have a tendency when Scripture doesn't line up with what we want. Well, I know that some Scripture would probably say I shouldn't go sleep with that person or do that thing or do that or whatever. But let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. And we come over here and we're like, man, I just, I, I really, I'm just going to stay on on." The intimacy one here for a second. If the world can talk about sex all at once, so can we. So, so that so there's that tendency of like, man, I, I really want to sleep with my my girlfriend. And you know, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, God made sex, and He made me to want it. I mean, just what? I mean, just make. He wouldn't really. It's not a big deal, right? And you guys are laughing and scoffing, I think, because I can only see like the first three rows. But, but this is such a normal thing. I don't know if it's what it is for you, but plug in whatever conversation you're having with your inner self trying to justify something you know you probably shouldn't do. You're like, man, you know, I, I know what my mom thinks, and I know what the church says, and I know what religion says, but you know what? I'm free. I love God, and God's love, and he loves me. So I'm just going to pray, and, if, I, and, and if, I, if, I, if, if God really doesn't want me to go do whatever that is, then he'll tell me. He already told you. <laughs> like, I just want to be a people that say, like, he already told you. He already told me, that which, which means I don't, like, I don't get to be, be prideful with my wife. I don't get to try to have the last word. He already told me it's not about me having the last word. We can take this as far down as we want. This isn't about somebody going out and having sex, but maybe somebody in the room need to hear that. But this is about you and I not justifying sin because we're like, well, we hear God. Yeah, you hear God. It's right here. <laughs> Let's start there. 
Let's just start there. And if you don't feel like you're getting anything, if you don't feel like you're hearing anything, go here. And if you still don't, bring someone else in. Bring community in. Let's pray. Let's talk. Let's figure this thing out. But I just don't want us to live a life that's stripped of power because we keep thinking, well, I don't really want to know what the Word of God says, and I'll just pray and hope that I hear nothing so I can go do whatever I want. We can be led right here. It's the Word of God's, it's the voice of God on paper. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, one of the most quoted scriptures when talking about being people of the Word. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's all I want to say on this. This says all scripture. And I know this isn't a sexy sermon for 2020. But that means I don't get to throw this, parts of this out if I don't like it. And it's not a, a debate. I'm not here. It's not liberal versus conservative. What this is, is me fully believing that whatever's in here is for my good. And whatever's in here is, is better than the life I could come up with for myself. And whatever's in here is going to lead me to freedom. And whatever's in here is going to lead me to Jesus. And my making my own God and writing my own Bible is not going to lead me to Jesus. And if I fully believe that and I see God for who he is, and I see myself for the needy, broken, messed up dude that I am, then I don't want to throw anything out. And there's stuff in here that's hard, and it offends me. And I would be like, God, this would be, life would be so much easier as a pastor if this wasn't in here. If I could just look at everyone and be like, it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. Just love God. Have fun. That would be so easy. I would love it. But I don't believe it. So I know, so here's what, here's what I know. I know that this has been a lot of like, ooh, Cody's coming at us moments. Here's what this is, though. If I'm passionate, it's because I believe that this is an invitation and that this is a foundational way that you and I can have revival in our personal life. I fully believe that we can encounter the presence of God in nature and through the voice of God, that we can sing songs and encounter. I fully believe in that, but we're rooted in Scripture. And I'm never, ever, 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 ever going to, to, to do anything or to say anything carries the day above this. If you haven't gotten in the Word, I mean, just say, it's an invitation. Yeah, there's confusing parts. Yeah, there's places that you're like, what does this even mean? And yeah, there's places where you're like, whoa, that's hard. But when we know God for who He is, we can say, wow, this is really hard, but it must be for my good. And I want to I live the rest of my days as a person who says, I don't get this, but I submit to it. I surrender to it because it's for my good. And because I want to know you. And because I don't want to be worshiping a God I've made up. I don't want to be like that, that parable that Jesus talks about, people showing up to heaven. Like, look at all the church services we went to. Look at all the songs I sang. I held my hands up. I prayed for people. I did, the, I did it. He's like, yeah, you were doing it for someone else. I don't know who you are. We don't know each other. The fear of God on my life, when I open up Scripture, is not, is not, you know, 
I want to be smarter so I can debate people. It's, I want to, make, I want to know you for who you really are because you're better than I could ever imagine. Let's be people of the word. As for us in this church, we're going to be about it. We're going to be about the word. I give you full permission. Whether you've been coming here for five years or this is your first day, I give you permission. If you feel like we've, we ever lose that, come talk to me. We've got, we're going to be people of the word when it's not fun, when it's not sexy. We're going to be people of the word when it would be a lot easier not to. When there'd be a lot more people who'd probably come through that door if we just said, you know what? Eh, let's just talk about how good life is with God. Yeah, let's talk about it because of Scripture. <laughs> and I want to end with this. The, um, the, it matters that we know the gospel. It matters that we have intimacy with, intimacy with Jesus. It matters that you and I can preach the gospel to ourselves. that we can know that we need Jesus, that we need the cross, that we're nothing without him. If you're in the room tonight and you've been scared by the word of God, there's an invitation to take it brick by brick. You don't have to start with the big confusing chapters that have always caused you so much heartache and pain and confusion and sent you running. Start somewhere small. If you're wondering where to start, start in the gospel. Start in the book of Matthew. Start in the Psalms. Start in the Proverbs. You want to get corrected, start in the Proverbs. But let's just start. Whether you've been, wherever you are in the journey, there's something that you and I can say, you know what, I need more of the Word of God. I need more of it in my life. I need to read it more. I need to memorize it more. I need to love it more. I need to cherish it more. Maybe you're like, I don't have a heart for it. Maybe come up tonight and have someone pray for you that you would get a heart that craves the Word of God in your life, that we would be sick and tired of kind of floating aimlessly, trying to figure this thing out, trying to create our own path to our own God, but that we would fall in love with the Word of God, that we might fall in love with who God really is that we might worship him rightly, that we might be led by him, that we might have a revival that affects every aspect of our life. Amen? Amen. Band, why don't you guys come on up? We end every time here, if you're new, by worshiping Jesus once again and just an opportunity for people to respond. Here's what I want to invite you to do before I have you stand up. I'm just going to have us take a moment of silence here for all of us to just pray and what something I would call wait on God and just ask God, hey, where, where, can, where do I need to, to, to put my hands to when it comes to your word? What do I need to do tomorrow or tonight? It might be reading more. It might be getting on a devotional plan. It might be just going and having someone pray for you that you'd have a heart. I don't know what your first step is or your next step is, but I believe there's something for all of us. So let's just take a moment before we do anything else. God, would you come and speak? We need you, and we love you, and we trust you. Come and speak to each heart in this room that's open and willing to hear. What would you have us do to respond to being people of the word?
Thank you, Jesus. We trust you. We trust your leadership. Give us the courage. Give us the strength. Give us the resources. Give us the people to help us respond. Amen.